Hey, I hope you guys are having a really great day. Of all the things you got going on in your day, the fact that you included us in your day is a great privilege. Welcome to the quest. It's always good to be together, especially if you have to be checking us out. Now listen, I know that you have stuff going on in your life and we all need God's attention to our lives. We all need God's intervention in our lives. And this is just a great opportunity that we have to surrender ourselves, to come to God and to express our need for Him. Not just that we want stuff from Him, but that we without Him are incomplete. I just want to encourage you as we pray together that this is a great opportunity to open your heart and bring God into the chaos, the worry, the anxiety, all the stuff that you might have going on in your life. So let's do that together. Father, we love you so much and I thank you for today. Thank you for my friends that are listening. And Father, I ask as we come to you together, we just surrender the anxieties of our life. You know the issues that are going on. You know our needs. You know them intimately. You're just waiting on us to ask for your participation, to ask for your intervention. And Father, right now we do that. Father, we ask by faith that you would step into the chaos, the hurts, that you would step into the physical ailments, that you would step into the financial issues that we might have. Whatever we are dealing with, the emotional strains, the relational strains in our lives, Father, we're asking that you would step in and that you would bring peace that you would bring wholeness, that you would bring healing. Father, we need that so much in our lives. And so today, as we come to you, we open our hearts to you. We ask that you would speak into our lives and that you would help us to uh, reflect you as we love one another, as we look at what it means and what you've called us, how you've called us to love. So we ask these things, Father, in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen. Listen, we're in a great series entitled Summer Lovin'. And in the summer, we typically, at the Quest, use it as an opportunity to evaluate how well we're loving. It's kind of a spiritual tune-up, if you will, not as far as what we do, but it's about, is our hearts in line with what God is doing? In other words, are we giving to others what God has given to us? Are we giving and extending grace and mercy when God has given that to us? Another one, are we loving well or are we just talking about love? Are we just saying we love people but we're not really loving deeply? We also want to ask ourselves, am I loving others with a heart that cares for others and has compassion for others or is it just going through the motions? See, if we're going to be the church that God's created us to be, that God wants us to be, then we have to be more than a friendly church. There's nothing wrong with being a friendly church. We want that. But we need to be more than a friendly church. We need to be a church that loves well. I believe that we have this tendency to miss who God wants us to be as his church. We have this tendency to do what is safe or what comes naturally to us. I think we miss the power of being the church and we miss the agenda of being the church. See, if we look at this love chapter that we've been reading about in context, what we find is that Paul is writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is pointing out the unity that's needed in the church, the care that comes from being the church, the family that we are as a church. See, if we look at these scriptures that are just prior to this love chapter that we've been reading, what we discover is that the Holy Spirit is showing that as the church, we are just like a body. 
The body has many parts and each part has a purpose. And all of the parts collectively have a purpose. Here's what the scripture says in chapter 12, verse 24. It says, So God has put the body together such that extra honoring care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. See, the scripture points out that every part of the church and each person in the church has a part to play. We all have something to contribute. And in our contribution, what we are focusing on is that every part is cared for. See, the church is supposed to be a place where people are cared for. Because the world that we live in is harsh. The world that we live in will beat you down. And the enemy is constantly seeking to tear us down. We've got to remember that the church needs to be the culture of heaven where we practice the values of heaven. We practice out the heart of heaven. See, as the church, we have the heart of heaven. We're citizens of heaven. The Spirit of God fills us and works in us and through us to accomplish the agenda of heaven. And as Paul writes, he says, this is how we do it. This is how we accomplish the agenda of the church, the agenda in the church. The way that we do it is this. The better way of life that he refers to says this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. I think an important question that we can ask as we gather together is what is my purpose in gathering together? What is God's purpose for you belonging and being a part of the body of Christ? And I think it's a great point you can write down. It says, do you gather with other believers for the purpose of caring for other believers? See, when we come together, whether it's here at, in the gathering, whether it's in connection groups, the agenda that we have when we are physically together is to care for one another. And I would ask, is that your agenda? Because if it's not your agenda, then we have a different agenda than what God has called us to have as being a part of the church. First John says that this way, that we, let's not just talk about love, I mean, we, can, we like talking about love. He says, let's practice real love. Let's put our money where our mouth is. Let's put motion to our beliefs. So in this series, we've looked at the need of patience. We've looked at the need of kindness. We've looked at this need that we should not be envious. Last week, we talked about honoring others. And today, we're going to be talking about a love that is humble. I like how the Good News Translation says that it says it this way, that love is not conceited or proud. You're probably like me. We don't think that we are conceited or proud. And I'm not saying that you are. But we can't say that we don't deal with pride just because we don't recognize pride in our life. I think pride affects all of us. All of us, it's something that all of us have to deal with. It affects our perspective. It causes us to view ourselves through a lens that distorts reality. See, you don't have to be a huge success to fall into pride. You don't have to be extremely popular to fall into pride. You just have to let it go unchecked in your life for a while and you will fall into pride head first. And here's why we all need to pay attention to this 
you write it down, pride is a heart issue. Pride is our natural expression of a heart that is disconnected from God. It's putting ourselves before God and putting ourselves before others. Proverbs 16 says that everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Pride creates a lens that changes how we see ourselves. It changes reality to a desired distortion. It's a misrepresentation of reality. If we were to look at the definition of pride, it might be like this. A false assessment of our strengths and weaknesses based on our own insecurities. Pride is a false assessment of ourselves and our abilities based on our insecurities. I think that's something that we miss. Pride is always based on our insecurities. I mean, people that elevate themselves are masking their insecurities. People that tear you down are masking their own insecurities. The truth is, is that pride keeps us from loving God completely and loving others intentionally. So it's essential that we deal with it in our lives. In Proverbs 6, it tells us that God hates seven things. And the number one thing that God hates is pride. It reads this way. There are seven things that the Lord hates and cannot tolerate. A proud look. And then it goes on. God can't tolerate it. And then in James, it says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The Greek word that James uses for that word opposed is to be at war with. So God is at war with those who are proud. And we have to remember that pride was the cause of Satan's fall from heaven. As he said in his heart, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. I will elevate myself, is what he's saying. Satan wanted to take the place and the position of God. Pride is what Satan used to deceive Eve in the garden when he said this, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So a really important point to know is this, you write down. The sin of pride is our desire to be self-sufficient. We want to be independent self-sustaining, self-reliant. Remember, we distort our strengths and weaknesses to portray an inaccurate or an elevated view of ourselves. So here's how that gets played out. Our expressions of pride include these. The first one is this. We don't acknowledge our need of God. We don't acknowledge our need for God because we have forgotten our need for God. We're not in touch with our true condition. We're more in touch with a false reality. What we have is a false sense of self-sufficiency. We have a desire and a belief that we can do it ourselves until it is that we can't. Pride changes God's place in our heart. We move him from first choice to last resort. I know that kind of stings because it's very easy to put God back and to turn to him when everything's falling apart. But we never make him our first choice and that becomes an issue that we've got to deal with because that's how pride sets in. We think we can handle life on our own. We don't think about turning to God until our options run out. Scripture says this, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Here's another expression of pride, and that's this. We don't accept our need for others. Pride seeks to impress people and to hide from people. Remember, pride is a false assessment of who we are based on our own insecurities. 
And many of us tend to have these insecurities when it comes to others. Pride will push others away because we don't believe that we need others in our life. When God created man, he said it is not good for man to be alone. That was in Genesis 2.18. So God gave us relationship. We need one another. We need to be loved, accepted, encouraged, and cared for. We need to be built up, looked after, and prayed for. We need the counsel and the advice of others. Proverbs 13 says it this way, Arrogant know-it-alls stir up discord, but wise men and women listen to each other's counsel. I talk about this all the time, but we were created for community. We were created for spiritual community. And God designed the church to be this environment for us to practice the one another's, to love and to serve one another. See, pride seeks to destroy God's design for us to belong to one another, to submit to one another. Ephesians 4 says it this way, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love, because you, there's the absence of pride, because of your humility. I mentioned all of this just to show you that pride is a serious issue that we can't be flippant about. Another point you can write down is this one, pride is great within us, so is the separation we experience with God. See, pride creates a distance between God and us. When pride is great, our condition or the condition of our heart is not so great. We start acting as God of our lives and we stop acknowledging our need for God. See, as we deal with our pride and we let God be God rather than us, another point is this, the closer we are to God, the greater the humility in our lives. See, the closer we get to God, the more we act like God, the more we resemble the Father. Remember, humility is not a feeling. Humility is not something you feel. It's something you do. It's the action of putting God and others before ourselves. It's the action of having an accurate assessment of who we are and our need for God and our need for others. See, humility restores the relationship that pride sought to destroy. It's the action of surrendering God. In 2 Chronicles, it says this, Then if my people who are called by my name, which is all of us as Christ followers, if God's people who are called by his name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. Listen, it's the action of turning to God, turning away from our sin and recognizing and acknowledging our need for God. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. See, rather than seeking to be independent, humility seeks to be dependent on God. Humility recognizes that He is God. He knows what He's doing and I'm not. I don't know what I'm doing. And rather than being self-centered, we become God-centered. Rather than being fake with others, we become real and authentic with others. So how do we work humility into our lives? Three quick action steps. First one is this. Constantly acknowledge my dependence on God. Humility begins with our submission to God. We are not self-sufficient. And if we're going to be dependent on God, we have to be surrendered to God. And I know that we read this scripture earlier, but let me read it again. God opposes everyone who is proud, but he gives grace to everyone who is humble. So surrender to God is what it says. Dependence on God acknowledges our need of God. And Jesus addressed this when he said this, 
when he said, remain in me and I will remain in you. A branch cannot produce fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. For without me, you can't do anything. See, dependence on God acknowledges this. The only good in me is God in me. So what are some ways that we acknowledge our dependence on God? We spend time with God every day. We make time for God in our lives every day. Talking to Him, surrendering ourselves to Him, aligning ourselves with His values, asking for His will to be done in our lives, reading the Word, reading the Bible and allowing it to speak into our lives and to change us. Another way that we work humility into our lives is this, we deny ourselves. And this is difficult in that we don't like to deny ourselves anything. But remember, humility is an action. It's the action of putting God and others first. Philippians 2 says, do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Don't let it direct your lives. Don't let it give you direction for your lives. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourselves. Put others first. As unpopular as denying ourselves is, it is so essential if we're going to follow Jesus. We don't live to please ourselves. We live to please the Spirit of God who lives within us. We follow the Spirit of God who is guiding us, not my own desires. Jesus said this way. He said, if anyone would come after me or follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Remember, God and others can't be our priority in life if we live to please ourselves. See, the mission of our life is not to love ourselves, but to love God and others. And I like how the message says it. It says, don't push your way to the front. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Jesus thought of himself. He was God, but he took on the status of a slave. An incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. So some ways that we can deny ourselves is seek God's agenda for your day today. Ask him what he wants to do in you and through you today. Love the difficult people in your lives. Don't write them off. Helping others get ahead in life. Let someone go before you. When there's something that you really, really want to do that doesn't line up or please God, don't do it. One last way that we work humility into our lives is this. We open our hearts to those around us. We'll never serve others if our hearts aren't open to others. If we don't genuinely love others, if we just talk about loving others, we're not practicing loving others. Humility brings strength to others around us with no personal agenda on our part. That's what James said when he writes it this way. Don't do anything for selfish purpose, but with humility, think of others as better than yourselves. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. See, serving others is a big opportunity to allow humility into our lives, to display humility into our lives. Another big way that you can open up your heart to others is get into a connection group. Allow others to speak into your life. Put yourself in an environment where others can 
pray for you, when others can encourage you. Put yourself in an environment where you need to hear from others. Rather than pushing others away, open your heart to listening to those who are following Christ with you, who are part of the body with you. Being a part of connection groups is a great way to allow humility to be worked into our lives. Remember, how we love others is determined by how we love God. In Micah, it says this, And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I want to encourage you to let God be God in your life. Trust Him. Trust His timing, His agenda, His plan, and His care for your life. Live in a way that you're dependent on God. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in life. Follow His leading and His desires for your life. Remember, we need others and we're here to serve others. We are here to care for others so there is no place for pride in our lives. I want you to think about that. If you can love and be humble in how you love, how it elevates other people and how it makes your love deeper and more impacting in the lives of others. How your humility cares for those around you. Don't live in a false reality. Live with an awareness of your need of God and your need of others. Let God's agenda for your life allow you to care for others in your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you and first and foremost, there are some that are listening right now that, Father, they don't have a relationship with you. You're not the center of their life, but as they are sitting here right now. They recognize their need of you. They recognize that they've been in charge for a long time. They put themselves first and they need to put you first. They want you to be the center of their life. They want to live a God-centered life rather than a self-centered life. And I ask that as they surrender themselves to you, Father, that you would step in and that you would create in them a new heart, a clean heart. Father, as they open their heart to your son Jesus and what he did on the cross for their sins, that he rose from the dead, that they recognize that your love and the power of your love is extended to them. Father, I ask for just life change, life change in all of us. Help us to live in humility. Father, help us to live in a way that recognizes our need of you and others. Help us to put ourselves aside. Help us to walk humbly with you, Father, because we know that when we no longer walk humbly with you, we are walking away from you. That's not what any of us want. Help us to live with the awareness of our need of you and our awareness of our need for others. Help us in our love and in our humility to care for others, that we can be the church that you want us to be, that you created us to be. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Listen, we all stumble and fall in this, but this is the agenda of the church. This is the agenda of our lives, and we continually subject ourselves and submit ourselves to it. We continually, though we might stumble, we get up and we make the care of others our priority. Make love our greatest goal is what the scripture says. Listen, thank you guys so much for being with us today. Thank you again for making us a part of your day and including us in your day. We're praying God's very best for you. Have a great rest of your week. Bye-bye.